Welcome to No Concessions. It's a movie podcast where we explore subgenres and then defend our favorite movies. This week, we're here with Charles, baby. And Charles is back. And we have a special <laughs> guest this week. We're here with Adam Hlavik. Oh, shit. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself, Adam. Uh, I'm from L.A. Well, no, that's that's a big fucking lie. Can we on this podcast? Yes, absolutely. It? Uh, I'm originally from San Diego, but I live in L.A. And I work in the entertainment industry, YouTube, Twitch, all that good stuff. Okay, okay. <laughs> what was the last movie you saw in theaters? Hello. Oh, Dark Phoenix. God help me. <laughs> it was pretty brutal. Oh, was yeah. it? You weren't feeling it? No. It's like, it's not a bad movie. It's very okay. No, and I think a worst. lot of people were going into that movie thinking like, oh, this is the end of the X-Men saga. It's going to wrap up everything. I'm like, no, it's going to wrap <laughs> they, up everything the second time. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, they did reshoots a ton and it was supposed to have a completely different ending. Oh. Um, but it's okay. I think if you're not going into it, expecting like some incredibly well-made X-Men movie, then it's better than apocalypse. It's better than the last dark Phoenix movie that they made. The last stand. I cool. thought it was fine. Just, I mean, okay. is good for me. Cause I was going into, I was going to go into it thinking it was going to be bad. Oh, I went into okay. it super low expectations. I was like, it's going to be a train wreck. And I'm like, Oh, that's okay. It's fine. I think Marvel has also set a very like, high standard for these superhero movies for a lot for the most part. So I think like everyone's like, well, if it has to be it has to be like this good to be good. I'm like, well, no, it doesn't have to be. It's fine. Yeah, you it know? can just exist. Yeah, it can just it, it's OK to have OK movies. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> this week on No Concessions, we're reviewing Black Rain, a 1989 Ridley Scott film that apparently not many people are very aware of. So this week's subgenre, with that being the case, is movies by acclaimed directors that people probably haven't seen. And after that, our titular segment, No Concessions, where we talk about one of our favorite movies where we won't take no for an answer. <laughs> Before that, let's get into our first segment, Overrated, Underrated. Uh, we're bringing in movies or franchises that we think are overrated and also underrated. Let's start with you, Charles. Uh, my overrated is the movie Clue. <laughs> I see a trend happening here. <laughs> uh, Clue is one of those movies got a big cult following. People uh, love that shit. Um <laughs> And I had only ever just seen like I'd seen clips of it. I'd seen like gift sets and shit. And there are definitely funny bits of it. But I don't know if maybe it's just like a comedy thing. There's like styles of comedy, certain styles of comedy age better than others. Uh, it was boring as shit. There are funny moments in it. But overall, like I just it could not hold my interest. And. The performances a lot of times don't seem like they have anything to do with each other. It's yeah. like people are just they're characters, but it's not about how the characters interact with each other. It's just remember those weird cards on that game that you played. <laughs> <laughs> this is what that lady would act like based There's on what she looks the cards. like. <laughs> yeah, it was except for Yvette. She was mm -hmm. very. very mm -hmm. Very mm -hmm. chesty woman. <laughs> yeah, that's her character. Yeah. She is a chesty woman. Oh, God. The singular character trait. And then, like, the whole multiple endings thing. I was like, all right. Like, this is maybe this is more novel uh, in the theater. Because then they do a thing where they're like, if you like, depending on it's like different based on where you saw it. Yeah. I never saw it in theaters, but. I did see it on Comedy Central more than once. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was 85. Yeah, it was 85. Yeah, I think that would be a cool idea in theaters if they just changed the ending. But I just saw it on TV a bunch. Yeah. And 
they just played them back to back to back to back to back. Which confused me as a kid because I didn't understand. Like, I never saw that movie, yeah. like, in full context. I didn't understand what it was doing. And again, like you, never saw it in theaters because it came out before we were all born. So having an ending, play after an ending after an ending, I was like, what the hell is this movie? Like, what is happening here? Yeah. Um, Fucking burnt, dude. <laughs> What's your overrated? I feel like this is a Tim Curry hate train <laughs> and all aboard. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but it's funny you mentioned mention that movie because I did a podcast like a year and a half ago and it was uh, five degrees of filmmaking or six degrees of filmmaking. And it was like we had to basically research <clears throat> movies that had like one person or actor that was like in in all of these movies and we end up with tim curry so i ended up watching clue and then the one that i have did not like at all was rocky horror picture show and it's another one of those movies that has like a cult following whenever they do screenings of it people go they sing they laugh it's a whole thing it's a whole thing i was so bored by that movie. <laughs> like I didn't get it. The movie ended and I went, why do people like this movie so much? I don't understand. And I, and I've tried to ask people, you know, what's the appeal? Like, well, it's got singing and it's got costumes and it's eccentric and da da da. I'm like, yeah, but it's just like nothing happens <laughs> to me. Like not enough happens in that story to, and like Tim Curry carries that whole movie by himself, but it's not enough for me to be invested in the characters, in the story. Like within five minutes of that movie starting, I was like, oh, man, I already can tell this is like not going to win me over. Um, so and it sucks because I never I never want to go into a movie thinking or not wanting to like it. But that movie just like after I watched them, I needed to put on something that was like very <laughs> fast paced, hard hitting to just get it out of my like, just get it, like rinse my mouth out because it was just I don't know. It was so boring. Damn, that sucks. It's funny because I've never seen Rocky Horror Picture Show, yeah. but I'm very aware of the cult following. It's nuts. It's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like people pressure you into watching that movie just because like everyone else has seen it. Yeah. And I and I never you know, I never had a desire to watch that. Like nothing really appealed to me about watching that movie in the first place. And then finally I was like, all right, cool. I'll give this movie a watch. I'll check it out. You know, and now I have to because I'm watching all these Tim Curry movies. So now I have an obligation to do it. And yeah, just I couldn't get into it at all. And I was like, well, I guess, I, I guess it's the same thing like me really loving like Star Wars or some like really big property that other people are like, nah, it's overrated. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. They're like, well, you don't like it. And that's all right. Yeah. Like, but in this, it's the same everywhere. Every kind of nerd is the same kind of nerd. For they sure. love their shit and they're a complete asshole about it <laughs> yeah. if you don't like their shit. Yeah. And yeah. There's like, a lot of people like that. And it feels like very gatekeepery and yeah. just like look man you don't have, like not everybody has to like the same thing that you do yeah and just because they don't like the same thing you do they don't have to be a dick about it it's awful fandoms are awful they certainly can be yeah my overrated you yes. know it's, it's not necessarily in line with the other two pick the singular. movie hit. yeah <laughs> the original <laughs> two you son of a bitch <laughs> peter pan I'll, i've always hated it or is it pan that he's in i don't remember tim curry's in pan with robin williams uh, no, that's Hook? Dustin Hoffman in Hook. Yeah, oh. it's Dennis Hoffman. Well, didn't didn't and then Tim Curry Jackman plays Hook in the Pan movie that came out a couple years ago? Wasn't Tim Curry Pan or uh, I, Captain in a, Hook? In, maybe in a musical? Fuck! Oh, I fucked that one up. <laughs> <laughs> Let me. I'll, uh, I can look at my movie. movie. Also, sorry. <laughs> Tim Curry. Right, they made so many damn Peter Pan movies. It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, Mine isn't necessarily in line with the others being a film. I picked a franchise. Okay. I think the Alien franchise is probably one of the most overrated 
things that exists in media right now mm-hmm. because look this goes into a larger problem that I have with film. It's the concept of a mega franchise where you got to have comic books. You got to have toys. Oh, you have yeah. cartoons. You got to have books. You need to have movies. You got to have everything. You got to have yeah. every vertical. Silverware. <laughs> yeah. Baby yeah. bibs. You're like, what the hell? Okay. <laughs> and it's, it's not good because all it's done is diluted that franchise. Yeah. And recently, the reason why I bring this up is because I downloaded an Amazon original which was written by William Gibson, a famed cyberpunk writer. Uh, he rewrote Alien 3 for a radio play mm-hmm. for Amazon, uh, Amazon's original vertical or whatever they do. Yeah. And I listened to it and I was just like, you know what? Somebody told me to watch this because I had posted on Instagram that I actually really like Alien 3. Yeah. And I listened to it and I was just like, if this was the movie, I would have been pissed. <laughs> this is this sucks yeah. not to say that like it needed to be perfect or it's like not up my alley so it's sure. bad or whatever but it just wasn't good and i've also listened to basically the in between of covenant or whatever on amazon i've listened to basically all the audiobooks that they have available yeah. on amazon mm-hmm. none of them are good none of the comics are good alien versus predator is not good alien versus predator 2 is not hey, good hey what about Alien and Predator versus Batman and Superman. <laughs> Is that a thing? That's a real thing. That's Whoa. an official crossover. Yeah. They actually, there's a short film that was made. It's a fan film. But it's called Batman Dead End. It yeah. Came out in 2003, I think, or 2004. That thing, I like that. That, that thing is good. Really I'm good. like, oh, the one crossover that worked, great. Yeah, that one's really real. good because it was like 10 minutes long or something yeah. like that. You just got to the point. Yeah, but the issue that I have mainly with Aliens is that anything after Alien 3, it categorically, the all the movies are bad. All of them. I like Prometheus for different reasons. Sure. It's a good like it's a good modern sci-fi film that caters to every little cyber uh, sci-fi fetish that I've got in my head. Yeah. Like I like technology. I like people fucking around on different planets and stuff. Yeah. Like that's my big thing. But Aside from that, it's not a good movie. Alien Covenant, not a good movie. Mm-hmm. Alien Resurrection, probably one of the worst <laughs> movies ever made. Yeah. Ever. It There's that scene with basketball and Sigourney Weaver where she just can't <laughs> not miss. Yeah. It's fucking awful. Yeah. Everything about that franchise past three is bad. I'm, yeah. I'm not kidding. Like, the comics are not good. The the audio books, the radio plays, not good. I'm sure there's decent fan fiction, but they yeah. should have just stopped after three where Sigourney Weaver jumps into the lava, mm-hmm. which was like it was lit. That was a lit <laughs> ending. It was super good. So, I mean, ultimately, Alien franchise, you're on notice. You're not very good. <laughs> Stop coming back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's what's like so sad in front because I feel the same way about Predator and I feel the same way about Terminator. Those are three franchises the that like started not die started around the same time. Yeah, they all started around the same time. They all started so strong, you know. And James Cameron was well, at least in two, he was involved with two of those franchises. He's involved he, with the next one. Yeah, you know, it's like he's trying to elevate you know the material each time, but then you get these sequels that kind of connect but then they don't connect and then they're like retakes and yep. then terminator genesis was like star trek 2009 where they're like <laughs> it's like the kelvin timeline version I'm like, yeah, what the hell shit, is happening? Uh, and now it's like now they're bringing back sarah connor and dark fate and i'm like this teaser trailer is not that strong yeah. Ooh, i don't know so yeah i get that and you know same feelings about alien covenant i'm like it's okay 
it's not as nearly as good as the first two. And then Prometheus, same thing. Like I like, I think of it less as like an alien movie and more of like a, a franchise that could kind of run parallel with alien and then cross over at some point. I like the fact that like, it was kind of just hinting towards alien and I love the characters and I love the planet and I love the sci-fi elements of it, of them traveling and using tech and all that stuff. But I feel like because it didn't have like a xenomorph wasn't like the main figure of the movie, people were like, nah, we don't want this. I'm like, well, yeah, I, you can't just rinse and repeat alien one and two all the time. And just because you have Ridley Scott come back doesn't mean, Oh, it's going to be a hit. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. work like that anymore. <laughs> That's something that we'll actually see in a movie that we're reviewing later. Honestly, the biggest problem that I have with Prometheus is that they could have done a way better like cyberpunk story because Mm -hmm. apparently Blade Runner and Aliens are the same universe. So you could have done like the awful corporate future and have them talk more about stuff like what they brought up in Alien. Like, oh, if we don't do this, we don't get our bonuses Mm -hmm. and like our corporate overlords or blah, blah, blah. Like this is important. Like you could have geared it more towards that sort of thing like a like a future like a dystopian future type of thing Mm -hmm. but like you know bad day at work yeah whatever but ultimately alien franchise sucks uh it's very bad very very bad and it sucks because it's like the first two movies are so good yeah why'd you do me like that you know (laughs) they should have just left it they should have just yeah oh well but you know what that's how the market baby yeah absolutely what's your underrated this one's a little spicy. Uh, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Is that the one with Idris Elba by the Neville Dean Taylor or yeah. whatever, the crank directors? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we worked on that. Are you a legend when we worked on that movie? No, no. What was that, 2011? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, no. Oof. So Spirit of Vengeance is fucking wild in a way <laughs> that the first one was not allowed to be. And I think that's what helps is Nicolas Cage being able to just because you know he was doing like wild shit on the yeah. set of the first one like you know painting his face like Baron Samdi and <laughs> just like being in character for no reason like it was bad we all know it was bad even though there is a flaming skeleton horse at the end of that movie <laughs> yeah. which is admittedly a very cool scene when it's <laughs> two ghost riders one oh on a God. fucking motorcycle and the other on a flaming skeleton horse <laughs> very cool sequence and a fucking terrible movie Spirit of Vengeance, however, <laughs> pretends that first one didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> and just goes balls to the wall. Nicolas Cage is ghostwriter. He just is. It's not he's not playing any of the ghostwriters really. He's not being uh Danny Catch or um Johnny what the fuck ever. Johnny Blaze. Johnny Blaze. He's still called Johnny Blaze, but he's not. Yeah. <laughs> if you've read Ghostwriter, he's not his being Johnny like Blaze. like an amalgamation of yeah. whatever the hell he wanted to do. And it's just like he's escorting some kid who's going to be sacrificed. He's trying to keep him safe. And he just gets to do these higher and higher escalating weird ghostwriter shit. Where it was like, like, I think with this movie, he is to doing with ghostwriter with like Robin Williams is doing with the genie in Aladdin. Which mm-hmm. is whatever he's doing, just on whatever weird idea he has just on set or like with Robin Williams in the booth. Like, we have to do that. We have to animate this now because it's great. He takes over uh, some mining equipment at one point, and it's just this giant excavator that's on fire. (laughs) And at one point, the kid, after seeing him uh, 
transform into Ghost Rider for the first time, he's like, what if you're the Ghost Rider? What if you're him and you have to pee? And then it just cuts to a, to a black screen with Ghost Rider facing away from you, pissing fire, and then cuts back. <laughs> they literally put that in the trailer, too. There's no... In, in the trailer, I'm like, okay, maybe that's a scene that it's takes place at night. Yeah. Or like, you know... No, it's straight up... Someone had an idea for that shot. They had, they filmed a setup for it. It's a hard cut to just black screen, Ghost Rider pissing fire. Hard cut back to Nick Cage just smiling at this kid. There's no context for it. It's incredible. If you never saw, if you didn't see Spirit of Vengeance because you thought the first one was bad, uh, you were right to think the first one is bad, but definitely see Spirit of Vengeance. Um, but maybe also uh, get whatever form of inebriated you like to get before you do it. <laughs> Every time something catches on fire, take a shot. Take a shot. <laughs> you will die. You will die. That's right. <laughs> My God, the perfect suicide pact. I heard if you do it, you become Ghost Rider. Don't do you become it. the spirit of vengeance against yourself. Jesus. The penitent stare is just you looking in the mirror after you've vomited for the fourth time. And you're desperately trying not to go to the hospital. Oh, my Lord. Got dark right there. So is that not a relatable experience? For this is just me. Okay. You can't That's see. So you don't have. You can see uh, your toilet with an extended mirror that goes all the way to the wall, so oh, you can man. stare directly into your own terrible eyes. Yowza! All right, Adam, what's your underway? I have. I'm so hard because I feel like this director's quite a few of his movies prior to uh, Arrival are pretty underrated. Uh, I'm gonna go with Sicario. That's probably in my top five favorite movies of all time. It came out in 2015, I think. It's Denis Villeneuve, who's directing the upcoming Dune movie. He did Blade Runner 2049. Uh, it's, I think it's his first collaboration with Roger Deakins, who's like probably one of the greatest cinematographers live still. Um, but the thing I love most about that story is it's it's pretty simple, and it has really, really great character work. And Emily Blunt, it's Emily Blunt, have you seen it? That movie is fucking gnarly. It's intense. Yeah. And I love that that movie like kind of doesn't like hold anything back. It just goes for it. Like the opening scene, they like ram through a house because they're like, you know, trying to like find where all these like hidden drugs are and all this stuff. And then the shed blows up and you're like, what the fuck is happening in this movie? And then, you know, she gets brought in as this like new recruit to help Matt uh, and and uh, Benicio Del Toro's character, Alejandro. And she has like no clue what she's doing. And it did such a good job with making you really understand her perspective and understanding like, cool, like we're as confused as she is. And you're kind of getting thrown like seeds every like five minutes of like, well, this is what could be happening. This is what could be happening. And you're like, you're on this journey with her. And I remember watching the first time I was like frustrated with the movie because I was like, you're not telling us anything about what's happening, but you're supposed to feel that way because that's exactly what she's going through. Um, the action sequences are amazing. Like the whole border scene is so freaking tense when they're like, that's trying when they're stopped at the border. Yeah. They're stopped at the border. They're trying to cross through with their prisoner. And then, and then the, they get the like cars ambushed, stopped, basically. Yeah. yeah. That scene is, sick that scene fuck. is so damn good. And again, it's like for the most part, it's a simple movie, but it does, it makes every scenario very tense and stressful. And then the music by uh, Johan Johansson is so incredibly good. Like it helps build that tension. Um, 
there's just so many great moments in that movie. And I remember when it was coming out, I had seen the trailer for it and I thought, oh, I'll eventually get to that movie. But it had such a small run in the theater because it was like nobody really marketed because they didn't really know how to market that movie. Like, do you cater to adults? Could like young adults would like 17 plus care about a movie like that that deals with, you know, the cartel and all that sort of stuff. But it has the action, but it's also like very limited action. So it's kind of a tough movie to sell. But I remember seeing finally seeing it and was just like blown away by just how almost like perfect that movie is. The performances are so strong. And then you go to the sequel and I was like, oh, man, it's missing that Denis Villeneuve, Roger Deakins touch. So, so like it feels a little bit more like an action movie now, whereas like the first one's not trying to be an action movie. Um, yeah, but yeah. Of all the films out there that don't need a sequel, it was Sicario. Yeah, because they wrapped it up really yeah. tightly. It's they're doing a tr- like they're doing another one. It's a Are trilogy, they? and what I'm like, the fuck? why? Like, I feel like Emily Blunt's character, her whole arc, said what needed to be said about that whole world and how corrupt it is and all that sort of stuff. I I liked her character a lot. Like she was the in. So you remove her. And you just make it about Benicio and Josh Brolin. They're still great characters and I like them, but it's like missing that like piece that really worked in the first one. Yeah. And it's that the first one is a great reminder of how great of an actor Benicio del Toro is. So good. He's fucking amazing. dude. So good. He had been off my radar, at least for a very long time. Yeah. And as soon as I came out, I was just like, oh, that seems like weird casting. Let me check this out. Yeah. And the pacing is pretty wonderful. It's and great. like it, it, the tone of the movie is really solid. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't been like standing on a rooftop singing its praises sure. because that movie's definitely not for everybody. No, for sure. Yeah. But it's, it's great. It's yeah. a great movie. But if you're somebody who like, like Narcos on Netflix, then I feel like they're, they're different. But I mean, if you can sort of accept that and watch that and you're okay with that, then Sicario should be, you know, you should be fine watching that movie and trying to like follow what that movie's doing. Yeah. Um, Sicario is a more action packed version yeah. of, for Narcos. sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm just going to give a shout out to Prisoners because that movie is amazing, too. And it's also Denis Villeneuve. Not sure what movie that is. Never. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's with Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, it's probably my favorite Hugh Jackman performance. Okay. Let's see. Yeah, it's amazing. Actually, you know what? That's the first movie that him and Roger Deakins did. Okay. It's so good. All right. I'll just have to check watch it, it out. Adding that to the list. Yeah. Really great movie, great performances, very intense, but so good. Hell yeah. My underrated goes to Constantine. Hell yeah. 2005? Yeah, Mm. with Keanu Reeves, baby. One of the best comic book (laughs) movies ever fucking made, ever. You're breathtaking. (laughs) Yeah, shout out to to Keanu Reeves. He's been having like a really big career resurgence in the last like several years because of John Wick. Well, it's so funny too because people were like, oh, it's the year of the Keanu since. I'm like, buddy, this started in 2014. This is like five years in the making. What do you mean this year? This year it's sort of like hit the top, but it's been building every year, you know? Yeah, John Wick was a great comeback, so yeah. to speak, for him. Kind of restarted his career, and that movie is fucking intense, man. I love all three of them. They're yeah, so I, the second one wasn't particularly hidden for me. Yeah, but I understand that it's like a different shade of the sure. same color. Yeah, not it's not entirely for me. The third one I liked as well. Same same feeling. The first one. The first one is so much more compact than the others. Yeah. And it tells such like a more concise story. Yeah. And I understand them wanting to expand on the universe. Sure. But that's not necessarily what I'm there for. Yeah. I would say that like 
John Wick one is the best story. The most like to the point and concise. It's very self-contained. It's just yes. like there. Here's here's an inciting incident. Mm-hmm. Here's what he has to do to resolve it. Exactly. And we reach that. And it's just him. Exactly. It's not really. We don't get a bunch of shots of, oh, man, what's that? shitty Russian kid doing yeah, so, right? like we don't he's not important yeah it's we're watching John Wick go back to this life that he left exactly and getting as much from that as we can yeah exactly so I would say like the first one has the most like the tightest story second one has like the best action only because it's like bonkers and crazy and the third one has great moments but it's yeah like story wise not the strongest. There's some action sequences that I think are like too long, but there's a lot of great moments within those action sequences. Like the knife fight is nuts. You know, part of the action sequences with Howling Barry are great, but then it's like, oh, a lot of it's too long and you're kind of like not bored, but kind of cool. We've done this already. Let's like move the story forward. Yeah. Yeah. We just went on John Wick tangent. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but Constantine from 2005. This is before the rise of mega franchises of superhero movies. Yeah. This is the same year Batman Begins came out. So it's like yeah. right before that. Yeah, dude, this is probably one of the single greatest comic book movies ever made. And it's because it tells its story and gets the fuck out of there. And of course, it doesn't leave itself open for a sequel like a lot of movies do now. But what it does do is make sure that you know that Constantine is still alive at the end of the movie. But Chaz is dead because fuck Shia LaBeouf. That was it, a weird part in his career, too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Fucking everywhere. Holes and then Constantine. You're like, what? And then what was that? iRobot? Yeah, he's he an iRobot. That same year, right? Wasn't oh, yeah. iRobot also yeah. 205? And he plays oh, basically the yeah. same role. He's just a he's a teenager who's he's, around the hero. Yeah. yeah. And then he's iTransformer. So, yeah. Yikes. Talk about a strange career. Yeah. Anyway, Constantine, it's action is good. The visual effects are good. It still holds up to this day as far as like story tone. It's not campy at all. It's not too self-serious either. It's just a fun movie to watch. It's good. And it's of every property that's ever been resurrected out of comics. Like, I don't think this is, it's not a one-to-one adaptation because of course he's American in the movie and he's just like, he's got black hair and he's yeah. got black. I remember that was a big deal when the yeah. movie came out. My initially. God, <laughs> he's not British. This fucked up. It's like when Bond was blonde. Oh my God. Daniel Craig, what? Like, gives a shit. Let's tone it down a little bit, guys. It's not that big. A deal. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's, not one of the perfect adaptations that I see, yeah. like as in like the type of ad- adaptation done, but it's a good one. Yeah, it does its own thing. It separates itself enough from the comics to make sure that you're aware that like this is its own thing and can exist on its own. But it's also very well done. I like Keanu Reeves a lot. He's fun in the movie. Rachel Vice. Yes. And uh, she's good in it. But she's also one of the characters in the movie that doesn't really have a ton to do. Mm-hmm. She's just kind of there in some scenes. Yeah. And she's kind of there to push the plot along at some points. So I can understand that criticism. Yeah. But ultimately, the movie the movie works really well. The story moves along. There aren't a ton of plot holes or anything like that. And it's fun. It's a fun watch. <laughs> I'm about to watch that. I haven't seen it probably like six or seven years. I got to watch that movie again. Dude, it's fun. I'm going to watch that tonight. Bro. I don't have any shows tonight. Yeah, I would say like I agree because I think a lot of times when we're doing comic adaptations, people expect it to be exactly like 
one-to-one translation of what the comic book is. And I'm like, I don't think you necessarily have to do that all the time. I think if you're building something that's interconnected in a universe, I don't think it necessarily has to be exactly one-to-one, but you should be kind of closer. So it fits the, so like when you put all these different characters together, it kind of fits. Like you don't want to put like characters that are such differing tones and their movies are so stylistically different that you're like, well, this doesn't really like work that much even the marvel movies captain america the winter soldier and guardians of the galaxy came on the same year and as different as they are there's very much like still that marvel sort of like there's a formula yeah there's like a marvel feeling to it so when you see cap and Groot interacting in infinity war you're like oh okay like i i'm sold because i've like been bought into this world but with something like constantine when it's a one-off you know where there's at least as far as i know there were no plans for a sequel and it's keanu reeves you kind of know what you're getting yourself into it's like we're we're adapting the concept and the characters in name but we're not necessarily being like okay we have to adapt this like six story arc of constantine we got to make sure that we do page 45 of issue three or something you know it's like you're paying homage to it so you can kind of bend the rules a little and like at that point no one knew who the hell constantine was anyway exactly the fact that he got a movie was like good enough for me yeah especially at the time Yeah, yeah exactly there's i've talked about this before but there's a good way to do adaptations in a bad way yeah and some of the worst ways to adapt anything is trying to like rip it from the pages something like watchmen for instance even though they just just, take frames from the comic and like find ways to get to those frames right and i i understand the appeal of that but that's not for me as i said in the last episode speed racer or was that the first episode? That must have been the first episode. Hey, Speed Racer 2008 by the Wachowskis is one of the greatest adaptations ever made yeah. because they take elements from the stories in the comics and in the cartoon and they transpose it to film and they make it their own completely. And that's something that's difficult to do. Mm-hmm. And even with Ghost in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson, it a lot of things were bad about that movie, but the way that they built that world in relation to what the comics were mm-hmm. and, or I should say manga, yeah. what the manga was and what the anime was, was good. This might be controversial. I actually didn't dislike that movie. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it has problems, but like, I was like, I'm kind of like into this visual style. Like it kind of works for me. Yeah. It looks great. It's yeah. fantastic. And th- the the thing that the thing that really upset me about that movie is that they took elements from uh, the first movie and the first season of the show and then mashed them together mm. and just didn't make a coherent story. Yeah. As somebody who's like all about Ghost in the Shell, it didn't work for me. Sure. But as like if somebody who wasn't familiar with Ghost in the Shell saw it, they'd be fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was fine with it. I, same thing with Alita Battle Angel. Oh, I still haven't seen like that. I yet. never, I I never read any of the original material. I watched the movie a couple week months ago, probably the, back in February. Like the original animated version? Yeah. Yeah. And like I, I barely knew anything about Alita Battle Angel, but the movie and even with the trailers, I was like, Oh, I don't think this is gonna work for me. It's too uncanny valley. I don't know. And then the movie starts and within three minutes you're kind of like sold into this exaggerated like manga comic book world. And it did it so well for me that the movie ends. I'm like, this is actually great. This movie was so fun and entertaining. And like the visual effects look great. And yeah, it's kind of like that ghost in the shell where you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. And then you walk out and I was like, oh, shit. Like, I actually really dug this. This was really cool. I'm like, I hope they make a sequel. Yeah, absolutely. After the break, we'll be back with a review of Black Rain. (laughs) 
Hey, it's Denzel again. Who'd you expect to hear? I want to let you know about a promo that we've got on the Patreon. Patreon.com slash no concessions. We're giving away three really sweet stickers to any patrons who decide to join us before the end of the month. Being that this is an audio medium and not visual, you can't see all the super sweet stickers that I'm holding right now. If you want to see the amazing stickers, you can check out our new Instagram account, instagram.com slash xnoconcessions. You can find us on Twitter with that same name, twitter.com slash xnoconcessions. We also have a website you can find our written materials on, noconcessions.net. There, you'll find written reviews, community pieces that appear in our bi-monthly newsletters and more the newsletter is also exclusive to patrons exclusive content baby audio visual nightmare that's us wouldn't it be really funny if the website was x no concessions as well the reason why there's an x in front of it is because no concessions is taken on both platforms so i can't x is the best way to whatever you don't care back to the show And we are back. We're reviewing 1989's Black Rain, directed by Ridley Scott, produced by Stanley R. Jaffe, written by Craig Bolotin and Warren Lewis, starring Michael Douglas, Andy Garcia, Ken Takakura, and Kate Capshaw. Music by Hans Zimmer, of all people. (laughs) Cinematography by Jean de Bont. Jan de Bont. Jan de Bont. He ended up becoming a director. Nice. Edited by Tom Rolfe. Uh, released on September 22nd, 1989, with a budget of $30 million. Box office pull was $134 God million. Damn. So, to be completely fair, it made most of its money internationally. Uh, sure. Mostly in Canada and then the other markets. Oh, not Japan? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oddly enough, the Japanese <laughs> don't seem to be big fans They're of this like, movie. The fuck is this movie? <laughs> How dare. Let's you want to summarize the movie for us? Sure. I mean, <laughs> it's a very, very basic premise. Um, Andy Garcia and Michael Douglas are two cops in is it New York? I think yeah. it's New York, right? Yeah. The two cops in New York who witness a murder and they kind of because of that, because they witnessed this murder, this like mob slash Yakuza murder, they're kind of pulled into the story and end up having to transport a prisoner back to Japan. This prisoner, spoilers, ends up escaping. And now Andy Garcia and Michael Douglas are stuck in Japan trying to find the bad guy. Oh, shit. And shit gets buck wild. <laughs> this movie is so fucking weird, man. <laughs> it's one of the strangest movies that exists. This week's subgenre is movies by acclaimed directors that you probably haven't heard of. Of his, frankly, huge list of movies. Yeah. Really, Scott has directed so many films. <laughs> like, A bunch of films in the last 10 years that I didn't even know were directed by I know, he's doing alien movies, and you're like, oh, yeah, he is doing alien music and i forgot about that you're like black rain this movie by ridley scott and i was like what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> that's what i said i was like i think you got this confusion I like, nope i'm wrong cool weird it's one of the weirdest movies i've ever seen just in that it's very self-serious and incredibly self-serious yeah the thing is it's like these these are the kind of action movies that people make fun of yeah like this is what's easily parodied yeah i never thought 
that the action movies that were made fun of like in the late 90s early 2000s like were real <laughs> yeah I, th- I thought it was just like a caricature of what was going on yeah. mm-hmm. but when you watch this movie it's clear that michael douglas's character nick is a fucking psycho yeah, yeah. and he's he's he just doesn't like anything this no. whole the whole plot from the point where they have the drop like where they drop off the criminal is like it only happens because he refuses to acknowledge that he fucked up yeah. and then do what he's legally obligated to do yeah. and return to his precinct because as soon as they're in <laughs> Japan he no longer has any jurisdiction yeah. and he's just flagrantly ignoring all the laws of Japan yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the best part about these action movies <laughs> is that they just throw out like laws and stuff like yeah. things that people would say hey that's not how that works they say fuck it that's how it works yeah. like oh cool like you as cops from new york we can let you come to an active crime scene <laughs> yeah we can let you headbutt a person <laughs> that we have in custody fuck it whatever we'll let you get away with it's it it's also like the whole beginning of the movie it's like the whole setup is he's being investigated by internal affairs for potentially like stealing money or being you know connected to, to cops stealing Stealing money and all this stuff. And then it's completely irrelevant, completely relevant to like the last 10 minutes of the movie. And even then, not really. Because you find out he's yeah. fucking guilty. Like yeah. he actually did. Yeah. Because like the way the movie sets it up, it's almost like you're supposed to like you're supposed to be on his side. Yeah, you're supposed to be empathetic. Where you're like, okay, he's been investigated by IA. Yeah. Every, anytime you have cops in it, like a movie with cops in it or TV show and you even hear the words eternal affairs, mm-hmm. you're like, some bullshit's happening. Yeah. Because apparently cops, which I guess we found out in recent years, cops hate being held accountable for shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's why Eternal <laughs> Affairs is so uh, maligned in yeah. uh, media that's sympathetic to police officers. But uh, yeah, like it sets it up like, you know, he's this he's a divorced dad, but he's doing right by his kids. Yeah. And he's like he's not in, he wasn't involved, but like he feels like even that first scene where we meet Andy Garcia's mm-hmm. Charlie. Yeah. He's like. Hey, we'll see how this shit goes. Yeah. And he goes in and he seems very self-righteous, but in the way that's genuine. Mm-hmm. And then you find out an hour and a half later that he actually did steal yeah, the money. Like, Why the he's fuck? a piece of shit. Cool. Because <laughs> like you up to that point, you almost like justify his actions because you're like for he sure. is so, he believes in being a cop. Yeah. And like that's the angle you're coming at it from. Yeah. It's like he really takes his job seriously and he believes in what he's doing and that's why he won't let this case go. Mm-hmm. And then you find out he stole the money and you're like wait a minute. Yeah. And then at the end we're supposed to be like oh he did the right thing by returning the plates. So you're like, like no he confessed to another really? officer of the law granted in another country. Sure. So he can't be held accountable there. But, but also he, uh uh Masahara made a phone call yeah. to his precinct yep. and was like, yeah, we fucking, I saw him steal money here. Yeah, we and told yeah, him you stole money. But, so he's going to get off of that case because he found the plate. He, he finds the plates. Yeah. The movie, it's counterfeiting. That's what the mob hit was over. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, counterfeiting. Yeah. I don't know why they're counterfeiting American money uh, in Japan. Oh, it's never explained. Uh, but that's the, the villain plot. Yeah. And they're trying to like solve. But because he solved that case, and like, oh, well, this time where someone saw him steal money, it was fake money. And it was because he knew it was fake money. Yeah. He's going to get off that case. And he's going to f- continue to find himself in situations where he's yeah. got to steal again. Yeah. <laughs> he's already street racing because that never comes up again. He's street racing motorcycles uh, for money. Uh, that was literally just to set up the 
the chase, chase at the end. Yeah, that was, that was wild. <laughs> yeah, because you see, like, because I, I thought, oh, maybe he's undercover, and that's mm-hmm. what it, uh, that's what I thought too. Thing was, yeah. And it never comes up again. It's like, why did we see him ride a motorcycle for the first ten minutes of this movie, and then never touch a motorcycle? Because like, you see the motorcycle gang, yeah, uh, kind of harass them, yeah, yeah. in uh, Japan when they're alone, and then that doesn't really come up again. Yeah, I was like, oh, is he going to get on, like knock one down, get on a bike and start chasing them? Like what's going to happen here? Mm, no, nope, we're not going to. Nope. We're good. Yeah. Okay. yeah. This movie truly makes no sense. <laughs> and what's fucked up about it is you, spoiler alert for a movie from 1989. <laughs> yeah. None of you have heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Andy Garcia dies in the movie. Yeah. yeah. An hour and, into it. An hour into Why it. was he in this movie? And the thing is, his death is telegraphed from the beginning because he's just a nice dude. Yeah. yeah. And genuinely good dude. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, oh, this is my buddy. Like we're having fun, and like, of course, the apex of niceness is when they go to do karaoke, <laughs> and he and Matsuhara are yeah. having a good time. This movie hinges so much on just Americans being huge pieces of shit. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> and specifically <laughs> Michael Douglas. Yeah. Like, yeah, because Charlie Andy Garcia's character, he speaks some Japanese mm-hmm. or he, tries at least. Yeah, yeah he like knows enough to be like cordial mm-hmm. he understands some of their like you know traditions and stuff yeah he's very polite the entire time he's like understands how big a deal karaoke is randomly in that scene he's just like a good dude the whole time yeah for no reason and like yeah. andy garcia the most the thing I've seen him in the most is the Oceans films. Like, yeah. I haven't seen a lot of his films. Yeah, yeah. So I'm used to him being, like, this smarmy dickhead from Oceans 11 <laughs> and Oceans 13. And, like, to see him young as hell. Yeah. And he's super fucking handsome, too. Very yeah. good looking. He's a good looking cat, man. And it's, yeah, but it's so true, everything that you're saying, because he's always been kind of, like, dickish if you've mostly seen, like, the Oceans movies. And he's he was in, like, because he was in Ghostbusters, <sighs> the remake as the mayor. And oh, he yeah. was also an asshole in that. But then he pops into this movie. He's like, hey, baby, 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 baby. I'm like, what the fuck is the overuse like, of the word baby in this movie? He's <laughs> just <laughs> a cool dude. Like, yeah. he would hate. He's like, he was only 28. And I'm like, well, no wonder he's just a yeah. small motherfucker. And I was like, good on him because he's like a detective already. Yeah. Like, he's still pretty. He has a good career. I know. He's yeah. living his life. He's about to fuck those Japanese women like he's still pretty <laughs> no no that's just a hostess bar dog they pretend to like yeah. you so you spend more money that's right. yeah well, he's dude. uh he's charming no you're right there's only that one scene <laughs> I was like hey, there's another scene where he's charming some young Japanese women but no I think it's just I, I need to remark on this now yeah. that we're talking about it shout out to Michael Douglas for finding the sole white woman there he's the <laughs> that's what I want to say <laughs> he's that dude that goes to a foreign country and just looks for a bar that's just like one in hey, America Joyce. <laughs> I also like uh I don't know, Kate Capshaw, apparently she just moved from Shanghai in the Indiana Jones movie straight to Tokyo <laughs> into this movie. I'm like, really? Kate Capshaw? She's she's our like resident white, you know, Asian or Japanese affiliate that like is needed in these movies to just be a damsel and well she I guess she wasn't a damsel in distress in this movie. No. She was just like an informant who like literally did nothing in this yeah, movie. She contributes very little. Yeah. She's the just the plot. plug. All she does is smoke cigarettes and yeah. hang out with Michael Douglas. Yeah. Oh my just god. Someone that's speak English with. That's the only reason she's in the yeah. movie. It's like, he can't talk to Charlie because Charlie's a good person who's good at his job. Yeah. And he's like, well, I got to talk to somebody and I'm not, my character wouldn't know Japanese. Yeah. So let's put somebody I also here. I also want to make sure that it's known that it's Michael Douglas's fault that Charlie was killed yeah. in that fucking movie. Oh, I know. Movie. My God. I'm like, bro, not only killed, 
his head was literally like sliced off. Yes. Which yeah. was kind of crazy. And then he's going through his stuff and he's like, I can keep anything. And like, <laughs> he keeps the gun. Because he gave away his partner's badge. I know. I'm like, oh, no. okay. Charlie's he's like, not married. He doesn't have kids, but yeah. he has a mob, presumably. Yeah. Like, That's exactly what I thought. I was like, okay, you're going to keep nothing like valuable to, for his family? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like his badge, especially. Yeah. Like, That's like know, the one thing that like you every know family always takes. First generation Cuban immigrant mother. <laughs> yep. Is so proud of her son for making detectives That's before right. 30. And does it? It's a, a, a mutilated corpse and no badge back. <laughs> Gotta have a close casket funeral. Oh, my God. So ridiculous. It, what's funny is like, even at one point, Charlie was like, yeah, we should probably just go home. Yeah. Like, <laughs> out the gate. He's like, the fuck out of here. Like, no. You're right. We, uh, we fucked this up, but yeah. it's out of our jurisdiction now. We're only authorized to hand him off to yeah. the, the authorities. Yeah. And to be honest, like, this is the realism part that really gets me about action movies. Mm-hmm. Because if you're extraditing somebody to another country, that's the FBI that does that. Yeah, yeah. they don't it, send NYB <laughs> cops and fountain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also to let the like the spoiler in the very beginning when they do bring him back to Tokyo the they hand him off to who they think is the police but it ends up being like members of his gang the Yakuza yeah, yeah the Yakuza like, who are like dressed up as, as J- Japanese police and I'm like and they're not even dressed up as cops they're just in suits in suits with like one guy in a cop uniform and I'm like hold on a second like you all these people are able to just like get through walk out of the plane like nothing it didn't seem suspect to anybody like no one in Japan knows what the like chief of police looks like and like, that's the craziest weird. part too when they were escaping yeah. they were driving a police like on the tarmac too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like what they have the connections to do this like this isn't even your fault yeah dude. you just i would have done the same shit yeah, yeah that's out just, of level it's like you can't yeah have done anything. they have they had a badge yeah they had at least one uniform mm-hmm. they leave in a police vehicle yeah while the actual police are also there yeah like they walk to the front of the plane yeah. literally 30 seconds later yeah. and the actual police are at the front instead of the back and it's the only thing that like tips them off how do they know the second the second group wasn't the yakuza like, yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah and it's like and he even talks about in like the literally the next scene he's like they had all the paperwork i can't read japanese i don't know he's they like this official. is insurance paperwork he's like why the fuck <laughs> how the yeah. fuck would he know that yeah. it'd be really funny if it was just in english and michael douglas <laughs> yeah, didn't just know how to read i didn't know there was a back page in english <laughs> i didn't know insurance meant the same thing in english as japanese My bad. <laughs> the fuck i know the one interesting thing about this movie is a lot of the because it's really scott a lot of the nighttime stuff when they're like walking through the city and uh especially the part where charlie gets gets killed it feels a lot like blade runner yeah i was thinking that a lot a lot like there's one shot in particular it's like michael douglas like a mid close-up and there's smoke coming out and then you see all the lights from the buildings in the background i'm like man this looks like if you would have taken this frame and you would have assumed if you had never seen blade runner or whatever you would have been like oh is that michael douglas in blade runner it looks just like that yeah um, yeah. So I think that that was that's definitely like the Ridley Scottisms that you see through there. If you've seen like his older stuff, a lot of this movie is aesthetically really cool. It is yeah. very well shot. Very well shot, especially when Andy Garcia and Michael Douglas are walking down the street when the, they're first approached by the motorcycle gang. Yeah, like the lights on the sides of the buildings and so stuff, good. walking down that alley. Yeah. it's like a really dope shot. Totally, and the color is great. The daytime is less like. Uh, appealing yeah like yeah. the daytime stuff is just kind of whatever largely yeah it feels kind of like bland and like nothing special about it and then you get to the nighttime stuff and you're like oh yeah this has character he, he's got a niche yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> but like it's even it's even, you know, Hans Zimmer did the score for this. <laughs> so crazy. And it's I was like, this feel one, it, the score is very sparse. Yeah. Which is cool and atmospheric. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really lend itself to this kind of film. You can tell this movie is like trying to be a noir film. Yeah. But it's also an action movie, which is weird. But even not really, because it's just Michael Douglas going to different places, mm-hmm. being an asshole, and <laughs> somehow ending up right at the end. Yeah. But I like noticed that it also the score feels like Blade Runner. I was like, this is like it's almost synthwave. Like it's almost a little too synthy mm-hmm. for it not being a science fiction film. But because it's used so sparsely, you're just like, okay, you it just ratchets up the tension, and then yeah. there's no music in like most of the scenes. Yeah, and then when there is music, it's largely licensed music. Yeah, mm-hmm. like some fucking eighties pop joint. And yeah. they for some reason well, they take, play a reggae bop in the yeah. middle of this movie. Yeah. It was really weird. Well, the, the thing that they do with a lot of licensed music is it's it's diegetic. Like it's when they're in clubs. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so it's like yeah, a lot of um, like American pop music, especially in the eighties, was like popping everywhere. Mm-hmm. Because they could get it everywhere for the first time. And that's very realistic that <laughs> the music that you hear in the movie in the like the club scenes that they're in would have been playing at the time. Yeah. So like it works. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's in the scene. If they were if it, like the scene where they were like walking down the street and like Danger oh Zone's playing, that would have been kind of <laughs> yeah. that would have been a little <laughs> different. They do use the licensed music in a way that makes sense in the context of the scene. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I mean, that's like early early Hans Zimmer stuff 89 like I can't imagine how many movies he did before that other than like maybe working with another composer to like build up to that because it was well he did Lion King in 94 I forget what other like famous thing he did before there's a there's a few but -hmm. I feel like that's like very early Hans Zimmer so yeah like he does a lot of that sort of stuff now and that's sort of become his trademark going a little bit more synth and all kinds of crazy stuff I feel like that was very experimental Hans Zimmer back then. It was good. Yeah. It was definitely good. The movie as a whole, like front to back, it's still very strange. Very strange. I think the front half of it, though, is very slow. Yeah. Like as soon as Andy Garcia gets his head cut off, it's the movie picks up. Yeah. Because I feel like they spent too much time with Michael Douglas's character, like mm-hmm. trying to set him up because the, I don't care about him going to pick up his kids or whatever. Right. I don't need the internal affairs stuff. That doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. Either. I mean, the only thing that it really does, like you could take all those elements out and still just have the same exact story. The only thing that it really does is solidify in my mind, at least that he's been a piece of shit the yeah. entire time. Yeah. He's never been a kid. Too. Exactly. I mean, his wife left him. Has custody of the kids for good reason, right? He's a dirty fucking cop. Yeah, I mean, oh my god. The funniest thing about counterfeit bills, the I thought about this while I was watching the movie, and it's cool that they have plates or whatever. But how the fuck do you change the serial number on the plates for the yeah, bills? Yeah, about this. <laughs> it's gonna be the same bill over, over and, and over and over again. It's like, what, the, what the fuck are you doing, bud? Yeah, I know. Yeah, that was interesting, but yeah, I, and I was also. Just going back to the cinematography, like Jan de Bont, I forget how many movies he had done at that point, but then in 94, he directed Speed, and that was like the first movie he directed. Dude, Speed was sick as fuck, yeah, too. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's crazy to like see a lot of these early, like these 70s, 80s, 90s movies that have these filmmakers or cinematographers who like end up becoming directors and seeing like, oh shit, what the hell? Like this person 
end up directing like all these like Twister and I forget what else he's done. Um, I'm sure some of them are stinkers. I think he did one of the Tomb Raider movies too. Oh, geez. Um, but yeah, I, it had like all the elements, like all the elements of like a good movie. And like there's some bits that are funny and it's kind of stupid and you're like, well, whatever. It's a, you know, it's a late 80s, early 90s action movie the overuse of the word babe and baby all the time. I'm like, I don't get this, but then some of the action stuff like kind of works. Some of the shootouts are really lame and boring, but then there's like little moments. I'm like, Oh, like I thought the motorcycle chase at the end was pretty fun, but it's like, it's so short. Everything is so short. It's like a little bit of action and then like so much dialogue that I'm like, okay, I, this movie could have been 30 minutes shorter. Like yeah. why are we yeah. spending so much time talking about this stuff? Like it needed a little bit more action, I think to keep it more engaging, but you know, it's it's entertaining to a point. Yeah. The funny thing about this movie is that it's one of the first 80s movies that I that I paid attention to, at least. That's two hours and five minutes long. It's very long. Like relative to the other yeah. movies coming out at the time, like now that would fit right in. Yeah, that's like but, typical now. Yeah. There's a lot going on in this movie that doesn't need to be here. Yeah. There's that portion where I don't know why they do this, but they get out of the taxi and they're chasing the oh. other taxi on foot to the refinery. Yeah. And it's like, dude, cut this whole sequence yeah, out. Yeah. Just have them follow the taxi there. I did really like the uh, chase scene inside of the refinery. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was that was well shot. Yeah. And I want to I want to also give a shout out to these fictional Japanese cops who just put Michael Douglas on a plane instead of in prison. Yeah. For like, right. like, <laughs> like we come back, he'll be arrested. Yeah. Like, no, just arrest him right now. He's overstepped so many, so many times, times. Yeah. you yeah. should have arrested him the first time you saw him at the crime scene for sure absolutely yeah but at the length of the movie that's such an because i i don't know why i thought when i had originally looked at it on amazon i thought it was like i don't know why but i had an hour and 40 like ingrained in my head mm-hmm. and it probably was because i had looked at something else and got it confused but then i looked at it and when i watched it it was like, it was two, like two, two, two hours five and i was like what the fuck? Okay. Did you look at something like, I don't know, like RoboCop came out two years before that. It's a hundred minutes long. Yeah. And that movie just like, it gets to the point. And this movie, yeah, there's definitely scenes in there. Where I'm like, my God, let's go. <laughs> Andy Garcia could have died 30 minutes ago. Come yeah, on. Absolutely. Like, yeah. But yeah, that's so it's, it's definitely such a common thing now from like movies like book smart are two hours long and you're book like, smart is this smart's two, fucking two hours long. I don't know if it actually oh. is. I don't think it is. I think it's like an hour 90, but you know, okay. it's like those like really like obscure indie movies that, you know, used to be like 80 to a hundred minutes are now two hours long. And you're like, all right, you kind of gotten used to it. Yeah. Especially with most of the movies nowadays being superhero movies. And I don't None even know the last one that was under two hours. Yeah, that's fair. That's completely fair. Holy shit. I don't think really any of those Marvel movies are under two hours. I think what the Incredible Hulk is. It's probably the shortest one. Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. I think earlier in the phase, some of them were shorter. Like I think, I think Iron Man 2 was on the shorter side. Yeah. Too. I think some of those, I think phase one movies are under two hours. And then um, as soon as you hit Avengers, which is fucking two and a half. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, if they sat through that. <laughs> I, think, I actually think most recently, I think Thor Ragnarok is like an hour and 50. Maybe it's longer. Damn, I dude. That's but, fucking wild. Yeah doesn't anyway this this movie i nope. think Ragnarok's is 210 <laughs> oh shit uh this movie black rain i think at the time it must have been like really fucking good i think that it it makes sense 
in the late eighties, early nineties that this would be considered something that's like critically acclaimed at the time. Yeah. But now it doesn't necessarily hold up because people have taken elements from other movies yeah. and made things like Sicario, mm-hmm. which is dark and brooding yeah. and made more sense. Like this movie, black rain, if it was remade now, I think would actually, if it was like directed in a similar fashion to mm-hmm. Sicario, like, sure probably would work really well. I think so too. And you know, you also look at like what else was coming out between like 87 and 92, you know, like right during that era where this movie came out, came out the same year as like movies like Batman, you know, but then you had things like lethal weapon came out, die hard came out, die hard Two, lethal weapon two, I think had already come out at that point as well. Yeah, actually I think lethal weapon two came out in 89 also. So it's like you have a lot of these similar movies competing, but like lethal weapon and die hard are in a whole nother category of action movie because of not only their impact, like at the time, but just how long they've lasted, you know, even lethal weapon, considering they haven't made a lethal weapon movie in 20 years. They just had that show that was on. They just got canceled. Yeah. And like people constantly revisit those movies. Like whenever there's a screening in LA, people go to those movies all the time. Die Hard is kind of the same thing. I think we've like milked that for everything that it can produce, even though they're doing like some John McClane prequel, whatever. Oh geez. But for who, when he's just like a really shitty cop beating the shit (laughs) out of civilians. I'm like, how much younger can we go than like the 88 movie? Like I don't need like 18 year old John McClane, but whatever. So I make it still Bruce Willis. I know, right? (laughs) DH like Sam Jackson and Captain Marvel. Just put a shitty wig on him. (laughs) Just like some like weird parted thing. But so yeah, yeah, it's interesting to look at the context of like where the world was and where action movies as a genre were to like then seek this in the middle of that. And you're like, yeah, I can understand like why at the time it made good money, but also is not remembered. Yeah. I had literally not heard of this movie until a week ago. The funniest thing about this movie is a long time ago, it was on Netflix. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, it kept coming up in my feed. And at the time, it's not, I don't know what I was thinking. I was probably drunk, but I was just like, fine, you keep showing me this movie. I'll fucking watch it. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And it, for some reason, I don't know why, but I held it in much higher regard then than I do now. Yeah. It's, it, this movie sucks, but it's also, <laughs> Like, it's a product of its time. Yeah. It didn't push the envelope for action movies. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's remembered at all, as you can tell from listening to this. And you can tell yourself at home because you've never fucking heard of this movie. You've never watched it. It's on Amazon Prime for free. Watch it there if you want. But it's just a movie that exists. Like, it's, it's a movie that doesn't exist anymore currently because people... People used to just be able to make a movie and just put it out and see what happens. Now it's just like it's focused, tested to death. Mm. And if it's not good enough, it's not coming out. Yeah, there. I'm sure there are a ton of movies. Like if you go to any back lot where they have like a small office or whatever, you can go in there and just find DVDs of movies that are almost done that just didn't come out because they were focus tested to mm. death. And this is a movie that would have been focus tested and would have been like, nah this isn't good enough (laughs) why is this two hours long what can we lose (laughs) yeah well especially when you have a movie that deals with like america and japan and like you know that both sides of that are going to be heavily critiqued of like well how are like how are each how are the different types of people treating each other how are they treating each other's cultures and all that sort of stuff yeah like today this movie would have 
been re-edited and reshot and redone probably three times. And even then, they probably would have been like, man, maybe we just need to pull the plug on this movie. Yeah, there is a solid bit in regards to like, you know, the cultural thing mm-hmm. of uh, idioms not translating. Yeah. Yes. That they do with the whole movie and it's solid. It's most of what uh, Andy Garcia is around for. <laughs> yeah. <Just> like uh, <laughs> he meant something less offensive than what he said. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Except for like the match the jerk off joke. Oh, right. Where he's just like, like, it's like, okay, well then you didn't, you didn't soften that one. Yeah. At all. Yeah. <laughs> I would say like, it's very uneven, but it's, I was still in like, it was one of the, it's a weird movie. And I think a lot of it has to do with how it was shot that like, the cinematography is good enough, like, and the shots remind me of Blade Runner, that I was still sort of, like, in the movie, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. It's definitely shot better than it is. It is Everything around the script is so much better than it has business being. Yeah. To make a basketball analogy, this is the Golden State Warriors in, like, 2012, 2013, Mm -hmm. where you have a bunch of the pieces, but they just haven't built up to that point yet. Like, Alien was really good. Hold on. Alien, he did... What movies came out before this? Oh, fuck, I just had it up. Uh, Alien was in 79. Blade Runner was in 82. Effectively, like, everybody who's worked on this went on to do bigger and better things. Yeah. Hans Zimmer, uh, Jan de Bont. Mm -hmm. Um, Kit Capshaw married Steven Spielberg, so she's doing okay. (laughs) Yeah, she's doing all right. (laughs) Michael Douglas went on to do some stuff. Yeah. Andy Garcia, a name that you've heard before. That's right. (laughs) This movie serves as like a really good time capsule for action movies at the time. Because if you look at it, it's of the time. It's it yeah. perfectly it's fits in. It is very 89. Yeah, yeah. You have the stereotyped asshole cop. You've got the nice guy cop. Cool and cop got, wears nice clothes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's, that's um. oh, fuck. What movie is that? That's Beverly Hills Cop. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't we have that like going through the mud at the end on the bikes. I'm like, no one's dirty. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like it's great for the time, but now yeah. like it just doesn't hold up. Right. Final thoughts. I watched it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's it. Like I said, like the the pieces are all there, but the script is not, and it's. I found myself a lot of times wondering, like, why were these elements here? And are they going to be like, you know, looking back through my notes as we were talking, most of my notes are just like, hey, this is the thing. And then it's just gone for 45 minutes. Yeah. And then it comes back up. And it just seems like it's, it feels very similar to Hudson Hawk in the like, <laughs> in that it feels like a passion project that Michael Douglas like read the script for and was like, yes, we're doing this. <laughs> and then that was it. No one did any more editing. No one, did any more, no one like pared the script down at all. They was like, let's get this shit cast. Let's get this shit going. And it happened. And it's two hours long. <laughs> and I was like, there's no one trimmed the fat on this movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's, if this movie were like 120, Solid little like weird noir action thing set in the eighties could have worked. Does it because it's too long? Yeah, uh, I agree with a lot of that. I think uh, this is a perfect movie to put on if you're having a summer party and you just need some background noise. Yeah, you just put this on. Everyone's <laughs> like, "What the hell? What 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 a movie is this? Oh, this is an obscure Ridley Scott movie from 1989 called called Black Rain with Michael Douglas and Andy Garcia." What? You can go watch on Amazon Prime. We don't yep. have time for that. <laughs> like, it's on. We're playing beer punk. That's right. That's right. It's just literally there just to, like, entertain people. 
I think I, th- I think you just need to go experience it for yourself. Yeah, definitely watch it. Yeah, I think it's worth a. Viewing. I don't regret watching it. Yeah, this isn't even on the border of regret for me. Yeah, because Hudson Hawk was very much like, <laughs> uh, dude, why did I watch this? But okay, at least I got that out of the way. This movie's like, I'll probably watch it again in probably like ten years. Yeah, see see what it's hitting for. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think the movie not good. That's. 100%. Yeah, I think we all like, agree. That's not a good movie. It's a watchable movie. Indisputable. It's There's watchable. There's a lot of very cool elements to it. It's yeah. middle of the road for me. Yeah. It's it, like, it's fine. It works for what it is. Yeah. Again, it's a very much so a movie of its time. Like, I'm into action movies, and I like seeing what culture was like back then, kind of, because asshole cops are like a good thing back then. Oh, yeah. he's just passionate about his yeah, job. Like, yeah. <laughs> now, Michael Douglas's character, like, people would be tweeting about it in the middle of the movie. Right. Why is this motherfucker fired? Like, this yep. is straight up what training day was about. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I still, it's from drug dealers, though, so it's cool. Yeah. Like, I remember. 15 year old me thinking that having that exact same thought <laughs> like you know if i were gonna steal money it would be from like drug dealers because that money's already been stolen basically. <laughs> i was like no this is like an actual cop with like a family and shit did that I'm like okay civil asset forfeiture is not a good thing <laughs> anyway yeah uh check out the movie if you want amazon prime it's streaming for free very obscure ridley scott movie uh we'll see you after the jump Denzel, I'm a patron and I haven't received my stickers. Make like ABBA and gimme, gimme, gimme. If you haven't received your stickers and you're a patron, it's because you haven't updated your address on Patreon. Do that and you'll get them. If you're not on Patreon yet, you should join in. You'll get access to a bunch of great stuff like special Discord roles, a bi-monthly newsletter, commentary tracks, recaps, and more. Join the Patreon, patreon.com slash noconcessions. All right, now we're back with our titular segment, No Concessions, where we take one of our favorite movies and defend it to death. It's the hill that we want to die on. Let's start with you, Charles. This is a, this is a weaker one, uh, mostly because I think we talked about watching one of my other ones for the show. 2017's Power Rangers. That's an- a choice. It's another one, much like my one from last <laughs> week, where it's like, I know why this movie wasn't received well. I know there are a lot of elements that many people aren't into, but I'm fucking, I'm a, you're probably going to learn over the course of this uh, podcast that I'm a style over substance person a lot of times. <laughs> a lot of things just have to look real cool and I'll be into it. I got to be on board. I can turn, I just like to be able to turn off and be like, this is things. Um, while I do, wish uh we saw power ranger stuff earlier in the film i think overall i really i was like on board with the actors i think a lot of the it's like they feel like teenagers even though i mean it's hollywood they're all in their 20s but they feel like teenagers um they're all very believable even though they're in this wild situation the effects aren't great always but when the effects are good they're fucking good and i've it's another movie that i've watched just a bunch i'll just put on like i don't know what to watch today i think i'll watch power rangers again because i watched man from uncle yesterday so i gotta watch power <laughs> so i think i'll watch power rangers and enjoy that shit and i do i enjoy it every time um it's it is a radical departure from any of the other power rangers media being entirely american produced but it's 
fucking fun and the action scenes are cool like they look really good and i hope that that sequel that they're they talked about making even though it did not perform well uh who was it was it universal paramount paramount yeah they were still like we're probably gonna make a sequel like it made enough money to justify it it wasn't received critically well but it made enough money that we can make another one of these and like han saban is still like saban is still make producing the series in america like so hopefully that still happens again it's a weak one it's one of my weaker (laughs) ones but i genuinely really love that movie and will put it on any day of the week that movie pissed me off so much oh yeah (laughs) Yeah, because I thought it was such a departure from Power Rangers. And like, I agree. I think the cast is great. And I think their chemistry a lot of times works. But I'm like, oh, we really needed to man of steel this movie and like do a dark take on Power Rangers. Yeah. I'm like, guys, this is a kid's property. And there's think, a weird amount of swearing in it. Yeah. And <laughs> I think like, I, to me, that's like the biggest to me, that's like the biggest like thing that I couldn't get out of my head was like. It was Saban and Lionsgate going, we got to age up the Power Rangers and make like everyone in their 30s who grew up with it love it again. I'm like, <laughs> no, it's a fucking brand for kids. Everyone who's like 30. Give them a sequel. Let them lighten it up. I'm like, everyone who's our age, like if I don't like it, I don't, you shouldn't give a fuck. I'm old. Yeah. This is meant for kids who are 10 to like 13, 14, however old. And it's like, you know, like that's the audience that it should be for. Like, do I want to be as cheesy as the 90s movies? No. Like, I think you can graduate oh, the Power Rangers to like. I wanted to be as cheesy as Power Rangers the movie. <laughs> I definitely want to be more cheesy than like this one was. Yeah. And like, I, I wanted to sort of embrace like the camp of the original, but still tell like a heartfelt story where I care about the characters. And if they're going to bring in Tommy into the sequel, like make me care about that character's arc, but still like, let it be power Rangers. Don't, don't try to man of steel it where it's like, Oh, let's make it dark. So it's relatable to people. I'm like, fuck you. It's a kid's property. Get out of here with that. Yeah. It's fine to have angsty teens, but like, I mean, you can intro the show is teens with find me five teens with attitude. (laughs) Exactly. And it's like, you put the, power rangers theme song in it for 15 seconds that was a weird choice get out of here look <laughs> i like the movie a lot like, you're complete everything you said is 100 percent right and i agree with all of it i watched it with kevin feige that was weird oh you watched it with him yeah like he came into our theater and was like sitting like a few rows ahead of us watching power rangers and i'm like oh this motherfucker's trying to see who he can recruit from this movie oh geez it was weird he just came for the credits yeah it was weird man i was like he literally sat down and just watched it with us on a friday night in burbank it was so strange and then dacker montgomery who played the australian actor who played uh he's in stranger things and the worst wig i've ever seen oh my god (laughs) i eat that cheese up real good oh shit uh, my no concessions this week is The Fifth Element. It's Craig. one of the greatest sci-fi movies ever fucking made, ever, <clears throat> ever. The practical effects, A+. The CG, a little shaky these days, but still, I bang with it. R.I.P. Luke Perry, Aziz Light. <laughs> I, I fucking love that movie. There was a stretch. You say you watch Man from Uncle almost daily. There was a stretch for like a two year period when I watched The Fifth Element almost <laughs> daily. Every day I would come back put it on. I'd watch that entire shit. I love it. It's stylistically, it's fucking top. Luke Besson, probably his best movie. That dude's career all over the place. <laughs> he had Leon the Professional and The Fifth Element. Yeah, that Those are his two best movies. Fifth Element, untouchable sci-fi movie. One of the greatest ever made. You you can't disagree with me. Wait, who is going to disagree with you? <laughs> uh, I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I think I, I completely agree. Like someone disagreed with me on mine on this show. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I think that's factual that the fifth element is one of the best sci-fi movies. It's got style. It's got charisma. It's got charm. It's got humor. It's got it's original like action. It's... Yeah. He had comic book uh, artists design a lot of like the storyboards for the movie, which is why like, I think it plays so well into like a comic booky type of world. I love, love like everything that's inspired by, I want to actually read the original book that inspired it too. I forget what it's called. I have to, I have to look it up. Um, but like Bruce Willis as like stale as Bruce Willis can be a lot of times he's great in it Mila Jovovich Chris Tucker Ian Holm Gary Oldman as Zorg is awesome yeah like all the weaponry and you're right like all the visual effects for that movie because a lot of it is practical and the stuff that's CG I still think after 21 years I think it still looks really good I bought it in 4k and they did a remaster a few years ago okay it looks so it looks like a brand new movie, you know? So yeah, yeah. fifth element is way up there on like top notch sci-fi stuff. Greatest movies ever made. So good. You somehow I've not seen it. It is on Netflix right now. Holy yeah. shit. If you have not seen the fifth element, run your television right now. Turn the show off. Yeah. <laughs> Finish the show. Yeah. <laughs> Go watch it. Oh, Jesus. Uh, there were, there were some parts in the movie, like the planet. That's the talking planet. Yeah. Uh, it just looks like fractal noise sure. with, like a circle around it, which is fine because it's an older movie. Yeah. They're there. I like that. Tiny Lister is the president. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking fantastic. Yeah. yeah. There's the, the movie's great. Anyway. Yeah. Adam, you're no concession. Uh, Oh my God. I'm going to, this is going to be controversial. Possibly. Maybe uh, I'm going to go with Batman forever. I think that okay. movie has like, I think there's a lot of charm in that movie. And I think like as much as, I, I love those Tim Burton movies. I think those are like on a whole nother level. But I know that the la- like the later two movies get dogged on a lot. And a lot of people say they will prefer Batman and Robin over Batman Forever. My problem with Batman and Robin is that even though it leans into the tone and it just like completely like goes full head on into like cheese and camp. It's boring. Yeah. Super boring. Uh, I think the difference with Batman Forever is it's it's not sure whether it's trying to be dark or campy. But I feel like it plays with those moments decently enough when it's like right for the characters and the moments but it's got a lot of action and it just moves like it doesn't really stop going is that the val kilmer one yeah, yeah okay. val kilmer that's when they introduced chris o'donnell mm-hmm. is robin and, um yeah tommy lee jones oh, oh yeah two-faced tommy lee jones is basically playing the joker and weird. so is jim carrey weird casting <laughs> yeah tommy lee jones They're basically both playing the joker in that movie with just like different costumes but it's got like that cheese to it that i'm like okay it works for me because we're with Batman a lot of the movie and he's just like brooding and upset about his parents death and all the shit that we've like dealt with in every movie. So I'm like, all right, whatever. And yeah, like I find it to be entertaining. I think the music is really good. There's some cinematography and production design stuff that I think really pops. That's different from Tim Burton's Batman movies, which I'm like, yeah, especially at the time because of how different it was from Batman returns, which is like everything is just black and there's bright. There's like some neon. Yeah. When, Basically, just when Catwoman's around, pretty much, and uh, but like it's such a departure in terms of like set design, yeah, from what Tim Burton was doing. Yeah, that it's like it's kind of refreshing because Batman Returns is enjoyable, but it's so dark. Yeah, like, every sense. It's such a dark movie. Yeah, and it's kind of exhausting. But like I watched um, all the Batman movies, kind of like over the course of like maybe three, four weeks, mm-hmm. maybe a year ago, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to watch all these bad. This is kind of talk to, and I'll see all these Batman from Batman all the way up to BVS. 
just watched all of them. And watching Batman and Batman Returns back to back is like mentally taxing because of how <laughs> visually dark it is. Yeah. It, it starts to feel like everything's the same because yeah. it's all just blacks and grays. And then like Tim Burton likes to use splashes of color, especially at this point in his career. He was just like, let's just throw yellow on the bat suit. Let's Jack Nicholson's going to be the brightest thing on screen at any given time. And he kind of does that with Batman Returns as well. But then you get into Batman Forever and it's very, especially like for 95, it's very 90s Batman comic booky. where like there, there's a lot of contrast going on. So it's, I, I agree with you. I do think the Batman Forever is a much better movie than Batman and Robin. Like, and it's, there are a lot of elements that work. Like the scene where, uh, Jim Carrey is like having that gala or whatever mm. to show off the, the brain shit. Yeah. <laughs> he's like a plot that's ridiculous, but you're like, well, whatever. <laughs> he's doing a Bruce Wayne. He's like trying to be Bruce Wayne in that scene and it works and it's very funny. It's very entertaining. He's dressed exactly the same. Just with like a different color tie and shirt, I think, mm. but like he's dressed exactly the same. He like has the same glasses. His hair is styled exactly the same. He's actively like mocking Bruce because he fired him earlier in the movie for justifiably <laughs> creating technology <laughs> that can destroy people's brains. And it's like, it's such a weird thing that no one mentions, but it's like, it's clear that Jim Carrey is just doing exactly. They probably had got like dressed right next to each other. It was like, I'm going to do exactly what you're doing in this scene and play off of that. So we can really see how weird Edward Nigma is as a dude. Yeah. All right, Adam, where do people find you on the internet? Uh, I'm just, all my social media stuff is just at Adam Lavic. And then I have a show every single week on Hyper RPG. It's just youtube.com slash Hyper RPG. Excellent. Thanks, everybody, for checking out this episode of No Concessions. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.